0: Welcome to the Eploribus cast. Today is Tuesday, April the 7th, 2020. I'm your host, Sophia Nelson. This week, as you know, for Christians is Holy Week, the week leading up to Easter Sunday. And Easter Sunday will be very different this year because of the coronavirus. Worldwide, people of faith and Christians will not be able to worship in their sanctuaries, but through video and video conferences and audio conferences all around the world. Here in the United States, we are in the throes of the pandemic. We now have more cases than any other nation on earth. We sadly and tragically passed the 10,000 person death mark uh, yesterday and it is a time of great grief and distress. And this week i've dedicated the podcast to what i call pastors politicians and pundits because we're going to talk all week with pastors and politicos and pundits and politicians about america the impact of the coronavirus the white house task force daily briefings and the controversy surrounding them and we're going to be having some courageous compassionate and character building conversations starting right now because we are all in this together My guest today really needs no introduction. She's been on the podcast before. She is a good friend. She is a sister in the struggle for women's equality in politics, public relations, media, and journalism. Sherry Jacobus is the executive producer of America Reads the Mueller Report. She is a longtime political strategist, former college professor at GW University, and political pundit. She, like me, used to be in the Republican Party, and we are now political independents. Sherry, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me, and thank you for that lovely introduction. Uh, we, are, we are comrades in this fight, for sure.
0: Well, I tell you what, your first uh, guest appearance on the podcast last year uh, with the Mueller Report, when we talked about America Reads a Mueller Report, is our fourth highest show of all time uh out of almost uh, 75 episodes now so you're in the top five shows we've ever done and uh that lets me know that people loved you and i'm excited to have you back
1: well wow i'm honored thank you for having me back appreciate it so
0: so i want to just start out you heard my lead and look uh, sherry this is a tough time for the world right now and it's a really tough time for america i want to just get your thoughts because i know like me you're a person of faith uh what do you think about where we find ourselves right now as a country with the coronavirus and this, this pandemic
1: and, and you know, how does it impact our faith? Do you think? Well, you know, in some ways it unifies us. We, we we're all in this together. Uh, We all want this defeated. We all know people or know people who know people who have died, who are sick, who are scared, uh, who don't know if they're dying. They've lost someone, uh, particularly our friends in the city. I lived in New York for three years and I, Um, you know, not, not that long ago. And I have friends who are terrified and it does test their faith uh, to be sure, but um, we will get through it. Unfortunately we'll be with a tremendous amount of loss. And I think Sophia and you and I have had a lot of private conversations about this clearly. Um, But both of us have the same conversations very openly. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'll, you know, I'll I'll just, I'll just say it. We know that this is possibly a, a test for all of us who have a voice who have the ability to reach others um, who are willing to go out and take that chance. Maybe some people will disagree with us. Some might hate us. Some might slam us. Some might say unkind things or untrue things about us, but this just might be the test of our time of our generation. Others had uh, other generations before us had world war one, world war two. I truly believe that for those of us that are in this age range where we're productive and have a voice and can be active. Um, and I still have a few good years left. <laughs> uh, I, I think <laughs> you have a lot of I, years left. I, I think that this is our test, our time. You don't always get to choose um, what our maker wants us to do. Uh, I don't think that you know we have that luxury of deciding. Sometimes you know, in hindsight, history looks back and things seem so obvious. But I think what we do in the here and now on a day-to-day basis, uh, are we afraid to speak out? Are we afraid to challenge? Are we afraid to, to step up and tell uh, people who have more power than we do that they are wrong and their action or inaction, their lies, their decisions um, are now costing lives? And I think this right. is our calling. I think this is our challenge for our time and our generation.
0: You know, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Yesterday in the United Kingdom, Queen Elizabeth II, who is still on the throne after 65 years, I think she's on year 67 now, and I thought her message, of course she is beloved around the world because one, she's a figure of continuity, she's been around literally since the blitz of World War II. And she really had an amazing message that I think fits the moment of what you just talked about. And she pretty much reflected on this is this generation's Great Depression, this generation's world war, this generation's fight, this generation's... uh, chance to change the world for the better once this is over and i agree with you that now is not a time to uh not be courageous this is a time for courage this is a time to speak up this is a time to challenge authority to challenge those in leadership and make them earn their pay make them earn uh the power that we've lent to them based on the way our system of government is set up which brings me to my first question i want to get into with you which is I'd really like to get your thoughts as someone who has run campaigns, a, a spokesperson, you understand the machinations and the machinations of politics. Give me your scorecard on this White House Coronavirus Task Force. And and I hate to even bring it up, but I have to go there. The president's conduct during these briefings, and I really want your professional, I really want you to step out of your box for a moment. And you know, people know you're not a fan of the president, nor am I, but. Give me your impressions about how they're doing with this task force and and what's been the president's role with these uh, briefings?
1: Uh, I think the president should step aside and let the professionals do their jobs. You know, it's sort of disjointed. You'll have someone who has a great deal of credibility, who people want and need to hear from, and then you'll have Trump stand up there and discredit them or shut them down or inject something that is... uh, for lack of a better word, just inappropriate uh, for what we're trying to do here. He's clearly using this as an opportunity for politicking, to hog the camera time, and doing it at a time of day where people are paying attention. A lot of people are missing their local news. On your local news during that time period, you are going to hear about the number of people in your state who are carriers of COVID-19. You're going to hear about the number of deaths. Uh, and I think a lot of people are missing that day-to-day information. You're also, he's also cutting into the national news um, that will give unvarnished, um, if brief, um, uh, information on what's going on. So it's a little bit um, disjointed. It's sort of bipolar, really, when you look at it. Uh, some of the information is good. When we get Dr. Fauci up there, uh, he gives good information, except as we saw uh, a couple days ago, Trump shut him down. And that makes people not trust our people who are in authority right now. We need to be able to trust those people who are charged with basically saving our lives and making sure that we can get through this. Uh, And I don't think that the daily briefings are necessarily doing that because, frankly, uh, Trump being in there in an inappropriate manner. I'm going to give Pence actually some high marks on this. Um, he knows how to introduce people, how to be somewhat appropriate, yeah. how to set the right tone, and then to step aside and let the let the pros uh, do their jobs and inform I them. agree.
0: I couldn't agree more. When the vice president runs, and by the way, he's supposed to be in charge of this task force, so I don't know when the president decided every day we had to see him, but... I think that the vice president, you never see him attacking reporters, fighting with people, doing any of that. He tries to get in All and right. give you some information, right. and then he lets the professionals talk. Give me your take on, um, I would be remiss, uh, yesterday, on Monday, the president had a briefing and attacked uh, ABC's Jonathan Carl. It was trending on Twitter. I know I weighed in, you weighed in, me weighed in. It was, I thought, frankly, despicable the way he talked to him. What's going on with this battle the president's in, with the very media, that? gives him a platform for his briefings, for his events. Help me figure this out. Help us figure out what's going on here. And again, I want your, your professional assessment of what's going on.
1: Okay, look, uh, he's providing a distraction. When he doesn't want to answer a question, he'll attack the reporter. He generally likes to do it uh, to women, particularly women of color, because mm-hmm. ultimately, as you know, Donald Trump is always playing to his base, a very sexist, racist base. Uh, he's also not very bright and when he gets in in over his head, he simply deflects. Uh, So that's what he's doing. When there's a question, uh, a legitimate question to a very frightened nation who's trying to be brave, we are the greatest nation on earth, the history of this planet uh, in civilization, and we know what we're made of, and we expect our leaders to uh, conduct themselves in a manner that is respectful of that. That said, we are scared. Um, but we're paying attention. So when we have reporters, legitimate reporters like Jonathan Carl, asking questions uh, to see uh, the leader, supposedly the leader of the free world, uh, conduct himself in that matter is disheartening. And I think it instills uh, a lack of confidence and even fear now at this particular time. We're, we're paying a price for this. There's no question about it. But Donald Trump uh, uh, is a showman. He is um failed casino owner he is a con man he is a liar he is a charlatan he is a cheater uh and we know this i'm just saying things that i'm saying what i guess some people are afraid to say out loud we have a press corps that is trying to conduct themselves in a manner to extract information that we need at this time. This is now life or death. This isn't politics anymore, Sophia. We're talking life or death. Yeah. And we have a lot of reporters, you know, you know, they're on Twitter and they're losing family members or they have a friend. People are very open now sharing on social media because we have nothing else. And when you're hurting and when you're scared and you're losing someone or someone is sick and you can't be with them, people are making that very public. And I know some of the reporters in that room are in that position. So they are carefully, they can't just ask questions anymore. It's almost like they have to have a strategy to mm. carefully craft them, their their questions and their tone just to try and get some information that we can use from this president. And that is why I wish that he would just step aside from these briefings and you know let the people who are charged with this do their job. Some are good, some aren't. Some are just um, rear end kissers for the president uh, and don't belong up there and, and or they're related to him and have the same agenda and some are legit it's it's hard i think for average people watching this to be able to discern uh, who's legit and who isn't and that's that's why i mean that's why i said it's kind of disjointed there's like two sides to this and it's confusing for a lot of people
0: yeah, exactly. I, um, I agree with you. And to those of you listening to this podcast all around the world, let me say a couple of things. One, as you know, we're all sheltering in. And normally when I record these podcasts, I like to actually be with my guests and we've got the proper microphones and technology. So we're ad-libbing like everybody. We're doing this through phones by app. So please forgive us if sometimes the sound quality goes in and out a little bit. And hopefully you're hearing everything Sherry says uh, and be... Uh, because it's very worthwhile. But I wanna segue um, into what I think is important before we get into the latter part of our discussion, which is really what I'm excited about talking about. But I wanna ask you, given what you've just said, we've talked about the coronavirus, we've talked about these briefings. And again, for my listening audience, listen, I give it to you raw with uh, with my guests. I don't censor them, I let them talk, I let them have their opinions, their point of view. I've said to you many times, that america is a country that's founded on the motto e pluribus unum out of many one that means many of us will disagree many of us will look different many of us will have different faith positions and and ethnic backgrounds and we will be from rural america and urban america and we will be catholics and jewish people and african americans and native americans and people from scotland and ireland and so When you have a country like this, that's this diverse, people aren't going to always agree. They aren't always going to see eye to eye. And to me, I see that as a strength. I love it. I love robust debate, as I know Sherry does. What I don't like is what we're going to talk about next, which is this cancel culture, this I don't just disagree with you. I've got to take you out and destroy you. So we're going to get to that in a moment. But Sherry, tell us again, as someone who, has done this for a long time. What is the status of the 2020 campaign right now, being that uh, Vice President Biden is the presumptive nominee because Bernie Sanders has not yet officially dropped out of the Democratic primary, but because of the virus, because of the sheltering in, he can't do events, he can't raise money. I'm talking about Biden. What Walk us through what happens. Are we going to have conventions? What do we expect, and how is this going to help or hurt the sitting president?
1: We're going to be having a, a virtual convention, Democratic convention. I I, I have heard rumblings that uh, Bernie Sanders is starting to accept the fact that he has to drop out. That this is over. That said, Sophia, it is um, alarming to me that we do not have an active campaign season going on right now. It is alarming to me that we have a president who is um, taking these daily briefings that are right at the news hour when people are watching television and uh, and basically bogarting them for himself, for political purposes, taking down political opponents, taking on reporters, uh, and again, getting in the way of the information from the, the experts that people need and rely on. Uh, he is using, uh, Trump is using these daily briefings as, a, as his campaign rallies, and everybody's heard that, and it's true. Uh, And I don't see anybody doing anything about it. Uh, I do think that the networks could not carry the briefings. They could report on them after the fact and take take clips from them. Um, They should lead with what misinformation the president has been putting out there. If he's pushing uh, a drug, for example, that is is with a drug company that uh, Michael Cohen, his former lawyer, now sitting in prison, was paid $1.2 million to lobby for. Uh, which is also the truth. Uh, and our press, I, I think, that. is le- yeah, I think our press is letting us down. I'm going to be real honest about that. I've been working in politics I and media. I think they're afraid,
0: I think they're afraid of him. I think they're lazy, I seeing.
1: think they've given up. I think there's a lot going on, um, and gosh, that's a whole nother podcast. That yeah, I, yeah we'll, we so can get into. Yeah, we we, we we can do this for hours, uh, right. but which you and I have, by the way, uh, all Right, fun. we all do. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, it's so we basically have no no campaign season, and that is alarming to me. Uh, I think that it would be. Great for Bernie Sanders to drop out, for uh, Biden to be the presumptive nominee, to pick his vice presidential running mate, and to join with uh, Pelosi and other Democratic leaders and have daily briefings themselves and talk about... Now, right now, I think they've got to wait because, you know, Trump is hurting himself in a lot of ways, and they don't want to get in the way of that. So they, they do have their, their hands tied. So you ask me, what do I think about this? What's going to happen? There is no precedent for this there is no playbook for this it is literally a day by day thing but what we all know and that the people uh, who have done this for a long time know is that these daily live televised briefings are bad for america bad for democracy um, bad for people's health getting bad information uh, and yet they continue they continue to be covered until that ends you know i think we're sort of stuck Very sadly, I say that.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, probably most people would agree that this is the worst thing that could ever happen to democracy in the sense of we happen to be in the throes of our presidential election cycle, which happens every four years. We're held hostage. We're held hostage by yeah, this. It is. Literally, a, yeah. Yeah, in every way. I mean, look, I got it's a niece a- that's supposed to graduate high school in June. And, you know, I have friends who have daughters getting married. And oh, yeah. I mean, everything. I got a been, nephew
1: graduating yeah. college, starting yeah. his life. We all we all have, yeah, our personal stories are tragic. And this is a yeah. part of their life story. Someday they can write about it and write poetry and songs about it, I suppose.
0: Right. You know, uh, we were talking earlier about, because I want to spend the next 10 to 15 minutes that we have left really talking about what I think think is really important that really uh, i've been through you've been through many women have been through doesn't matter if they're on conservative networks liberal networks moderate networks whether they're in big public relations firms or just say for- it say the RNC (laughs) no no I I mean I want to just say that it it, we have made a lot of progress as women to say that we haven't would be untrue Uh, as the old Virginia Slims campaigns to say you've come a long way baby and there's no doubt about that but we've got a long way to go and you know something happened to me on social media last week as you know I sent a tweet and I called the president um, a phrase that for me growing up was commonplace and meant stupid, idiot, dumb, which I think we all agree on a consensus. He conducts himself that way every day. And uh, and that's being generous because, again, these outbursts, these, these things, we never saw President Obama, Bush, Clinton, Carter, Ford, Reagan, Father Bush, George Herbert Walker. None of them. Nixon didn't conduct himself like this, he just did not.
1: And so no one I, did.
0: Uh, I sent a tweet that you know really sent the Trump trolls after me. They viciously came after my Facebook. My we had to take my public Facebook page down because the comments were so bad and menacing that law enforcement had to get involved. And this stuff happens often, and I wanted to really have it happened to me.
1: It happened, yes. To me.
0: I want to have a discussion about this cancel culture that we have, particularly towards women who are running for president. Who the woman who was the Congresswoman, Katie, what was her name? Katie Porter. Uh, yeah.
1: No, uh, no, no, the, not Katie Porter. No, the other um, yeah. one,
0: that's California. You know who I'm talking about. And she had to step down uh, because she had some inappropriate, I guess, pictures and things got outed. But no man would have ever quit in the wake of that. No. And a lot of people thought she shouldn't have quit. Uh, but as women, the moment we do something wrong, we apologize, we apologize, we say oh, you know, I'm going to throw myself on the flames here and burn, whereas President Trump does all manner of stuff from paying porn stars. And again, folks, all this stuff we're talking about is real. We're not making it up. You can fact check it. You know, the Trump organization is banned from being in the charity business because they stole from a charity, for God's sake, and was ruled against. All this stuff is real, but he never quits. He never gets ashamed. And I want to talk about that. Why is it that... Sherry, the men get a pass and they don't seem to uh, you know, wither under this uh, a sitting senator called the Speaker of the House a retard, as you know
1: Yes, um, and, Trump, and Trump and is on, is on video, is using the yes, word uh, Look, uh, my yes. mother, I want to tell you, my mother is a retired special education teacher my late sister was a special education teacher and that was the term that they used um, and not in any sort of derogatory way, that was actually the term that people use not at all that long yeah um so what happened to you is what happened to me and this is where um i'm going to take on the men who are supposedly on our side Politically, yeah, uh, but there are still men who. Men- well, let me get to that
0: before you go there. Let me let me just interrupt and set this up because people are going, "What is she talking about?" <laughs> I used the R word, which again, if you watch one of my favorite movies, Back to the Future, that said Marty same to Doc any number of times. You know, when you grew up in the '80s or you know uh, the '90s. You know, there was a whole phrases and 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 terms that if you use them today, you're going to find yourself in a lot of trouble. And you know, you're definitely showing your age when I guess I'm not hip enough sometimes to know what's PC and what's not. But the reality is, Sherry, look this. You and I are both women with a platform, big platforms, and we're responsible for what we say. And we should absolutely be challenged when we get it wrong. We should be checked when we don't do it right. We ought to be humble enough to apologize and do better. I'm all good with that. But my challenge is, like you said, uh, the Lincoln Project, which I was a part of uh they were getting a lot of incoming and you know i had a discussion uh with the guys the night before and said you know look i don't want to be a distraction uh because they're gonna really come after me the daily caller the blaze the washington examiner all the usual suspects and you know they don't just want to come after you they want to wreck you they want to ruin you financially they don't want you to work anymore they want you to be blackballed it's really nasty and the guys do tend to abandon you and throw you to the wall Yes, they do. Themselves. Yes, so, they do. Well, what do you think about all this, this cancel culture, and why is it just women who are getting canceled? Yeah, it is.
1: It is largely women. The men, you know, they get a little bit of a timeout, and it's um, um to use the phrase that the kids do, "bros before hoes." I guess that's pr- I'll probably get in trouble for using that. <laughs> I know. Let's. I mean, I'm a 60 year old woman, so you know, cut me some slack here. But um, the, you know, this is this is what happens. And I've been in this business for a long time. I've spent a big part of my career being the only woman around the conference table. I've seen medi- mediocre men and really maybe not that great men, less than mediocre rise to levels just because they're friends are the right guys. And if you don't do something, you know, openly horrible, you get to rise through the ranks. And I've seen women not get those same opportunities. Um, they used to say in politics you can ruin someone's day, but you're not allowed to ruin their life. That is that is gone now, and what I've seen is that men, even our fellow Never Trumpers, who are people that I re- that I support and like and you know cheer on, um, they can, uh, the men can uh, be as direct and crude and un-PC oh, as yes. you like. And they can do it on live television and they can do it on Twitter and they can do it in columns and they can do it on, you know, whenever they like. And um, it that's just fine and dandy. Um, what happens now, and this is something that, and I've, and I've tried to explain this to you uh, uh, in texting and tweets and I'll try and put it as simply as possible. And This is what happened to me. Uh, there are... Trump, alt-right, QAnon, some of them white supremacists, white nationalists, uh, some of them in media, uh, some who are loud on television and simply called GOP or Trump, you know, communication strategists. They work together and they control a large, a very large troll and bot farm of fake uh, social media accounts. um, Wow. Or a team of people who each control a large number so they can swarm. And the minute they Give the signal, we are going to go after Scipia Nelson. We are going to go after Sherry Jacobus. Uh, and we are going to swarm their employer, but they going or their editor, and they're going to make sure that they identify a person on the inside of that newspaper, that organization, that television network, who's one of them, who's on their side, uh, that they can have a direct line to, and it's usually the guys. And they will uh, swarm them so that they f- they can make the case to their bosses that this, oh, we're overwhelmed with all of these complaints. And they will isolate your one tweet or your one phrase, take it completely out of context, not show at all what was going on around uh, all of that and, and why that particular statement was made. And they will then hold that up and they will get you canned, not only that, they will then send it to all of the right-wing media or their plants, their right-wing plants in what you might con- consider to be mainstream media. And they will then reprint that same article that they've basically written. You'll see it. They all sound the same at Breitbart, right, at The Rap, right, right, right. at The Washington Examiner, The Washington right. Times, at um, you know The Daily Caller you know, and they reap and they do this over and over again. And then anytime someone Googles you, this comes up. This is how they ruin your life. And there's no. Con- Jerry, let me
0: stop you there because you said something important and I want the audience to make sure that they caught it. I want to make sure I caught it. Number one, you're saying that there is a group of individuals at mostly conservative organizations that, again, if the conservative organizations, I guess if you're anti-Trump or whatever, but you're saying they buy fake accounts? Is that what they are? are they bots? Because what's this list thing that the one guy at the Examiner... Yes, well,
1: the Washington Examiner, uh, there's a guy there that has something called The List, and he gives a signal on Twitter, and that is to everybody else's followers. Now, that's a very finite... List and and their job is then to swarm you, and to keep hitting you, and then your employer, and make it seem like there's this huge public outcry against you, which of course there isn't. Uh, there's just a couple people behind it. Now that's a smaller version of it. And this is the Washington Examiner, which touts itself as a legitimate newspaper, um, and and it is probably a, a serious. Uh, problem that they are engaging in this. That is, you could be sued for that, that you are actually trying to falsely uh, affect the 2020 election with that. And they've been in trouble with that before. Hugo Gurdon is the well, it's editor. Also then you have the larger lawyer, group that it. is uh, Jack Crusoe, Proposiak whatever his name, and that's an alt-right nasty fella. And you've got Michael Caputo, who is a Roger Stone protege, and they go on and they have this with, with um, you know, Alex Jones, who's basically been done with it, InfoWars. But it's this large, uh, huge army of bots and trolls sent out to swarm. Uh, it's one thing if they swarm me on Twitter. Now that Twitter has given us the the thing where you can hide replies and you just block them, keeps you busy. But uh, But when they can do this to an employer, they can do it to... A newspaper. They can do it to a TV network. They can do it to if you're going to go give a speech somewhere. And and not everybody is sophisticated enough to understand that when they're getting swarmed, that is fake. Uh, Some are and do it anyway because they have a political agenda. So they get they basically create a fake crowd that isn't there to show that there's opposition. And they do it mostly to women because men still run politics and media, and they know or they have a they know that men are more willing to be alarmed that people you know saying that this woman says something horrible or this and they they do this to women it's happened to you it's happened to me we saw it happen right, ironically did to trish reagan at, at fox business news who is right. not i'm not a fan of but my goodness as horrible as she she was and let's face it she was pretty horrible did she say something worse than tucker carlson or sean Hannity? Nope. no nope. she was made an nope. example of And, you know, they probably wanted to get rid of her anyway. Get
0: pause for a moment because, uh, again, we've got a few minutes left. And I want to just kind of amplify a couple things you said. One, it absolutely is illegal to do what we lawyers call torturous interference of contracting. What that simply means is that if Sherry Jacobus has a job somewhere or Jane Doe has a job somewhere. And I intentionally set out to smear them, attack them, and then cause them their livelihood defame them that is very liable you are actionable that is a civil crime and so um civil crime I use that word civil offense is a better way to put it but my point is is that you're absolutely right uh women the way we're wired and engineered as we talked about when I was leading in usually when women get into these situations they just kind of go away and they slink away because they don't want to deal with the back and forth in the last few moments that we have sherry what's the way forward what do women need to do in order to have more influence in these editorial boardrooms in the uh, media, you know, production yeah. rooms on
1: the network. Well, how do we first it? of all, you have to be aware of it. Uh, you have to you have, if you're the only woman in the room, you got to be brave and stick up for them. Look, we're holding women to higher standards. Marie uh, Yovanovich, who was a former Ukrainian ambassador the United States. She was run out of there, left, took a flight at 1 a.m. because she was told she was in danger because Trump was after her. She testifies on Capitol Hill, and people think it's great that she was so dignified and so calm. And and there's a little danger in that because we, we did this with Christine Blasey Ford at the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, I think it needs to be okay for women to get mad. And if you're the only woman at the conference, we're human. We're, yeah, yeah, I think you got to show anger. Uh, the men do. Look what Lindsey Graham did. Look what Brett Kavanaugh did. Uh, We cannot be held to this different standard where we have to be saints. If you're angry, if you have been sexually assaulted, if you have been threatened by Trump and his thugs, if you've been done and if you've been lied about, if you've been defamed, if you've been blacklisted, it should be okay for us to get angry. If it's okay for the men, it should be okay for us. However, however, you asked me how women can do it. Uh, Until women are actually running the newsrooms and running the networks, uh, we still have a long way to go. We still have to play by the men's rules and they hold us to different standards. And and sadly, we have women who are so anxious to be able to make it in a man's world that they will play by the men's rules and they will do in other women. And um, you and I both know that that's a big no-no. That's not the way forward for women. I think being aware of it and being a little bit careful actually. Now, Marie Yovanovitch, I'm holding her up as an example in those hearings, she was amazing but but when amazing. you think so of the what, other fiona, fiona Hill Hill Hill. but when you look at what maria Ivanovich went through what happened to her in ukraine where her life was in danger where she was targeted and she has somebody on the qt call her and say you need to get on a plane and get the hell out of dodge and get back to the u.s as soon as possible because trump is after you and for her to be that calm and dignified and ladylike in a hearing and to get so much praise for that Uh, it's up to her to decide what her demeanor is and good for her. I want us to be careful about the praise because she could have very easily gone up there, dropped a few F bombs like the men do, including Trump, including a lot of our, uh, uh, never Trump pundit friends. She could have said, this will not stand. I will, this should not happen. She could have pounded her fist. Um, and that should have been okay as well. So I fear that we are held to a different standard to a higher standard that i personally can't meet (laughs) Uh, when i get angry i'll let you know it well look
0: you and i are both old enough to remember anita hill um my first semester first year of law school i'll never forget it as long as i live and seeing a African-American woman with all her credentials and how dignified she was and the way they talked to her, basically asking her, did she read The Exorcist? Was she delusional? Uh, Joe Biden. What were you wearing? (laughs) Like
1: a rape victim? Yes.
0: Yes. It wasn't one of his better moments. And we fast forward to the Kavanaugh hearings and there is a sitting federal judge snotting and crying like a girl. And I'm going to use that phrase And he is yelling at United States senators and asking them, did they drink? And just disrespectful.
1: And it was cool. Uh, To be clear, he yelled at a female United States senator. Yes.
0: Yes, absolutely right. And it was disrespectful and basically shot back. Can
1: you imagine a woman doing that? A woman nominee? No,
0: absolutely not. And I can't imagine a woman president conducting herself the way this one has so Look, ladies, gentlemen, listening, here's the point of this dialogue. The whole point of this podcast is to talk about everything America, American culture, American politics, American sports, American music, everything that makes us America. And the reality is, is that 50 plus percent of the population is female. And the reality is five women, six women ran for president of the United States of America on the Democrat side this time around. And once again, they came up short hillary clinton got the nomination in 2016 and she lost to donald trump something that still baffles me and probably will to the day i die but sherry um the way forward i think you're right it's about us standing up and sticking up and saying we're not taking it anymore um and that we are human and that we are allowed to actually show anger because human beings get angry they cry they yell they make mistakes they they miss them and um I really hope that uh, you know how valuable your voice is every day on social media, the bravery with which you conduct yourself. I'm looking forward to all the things that I know are coming next for you. Uh, and next for me. And, um, I really think that there are a lot of great days ahead once we get through this very
1: difficult period
0: in our in our history right now, in this virus. Any closing thoughts for people on Holy yeah. Week? And well, this,
1: this is actually for women, uh, because we're, you know, at, at my age, I'm still out there fighting it, and I'm a little older than you are, and I've been fighting it for a long time. Uh, just remember, uh, Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, Ginger Rogers had to do everything fred astaire was doing only she had to do it backwards and in heels we still have to be better amen
0: (laughs) (laughs) i think that's a great word and i think that i'm looking forward to today your nieces mine our great nieces and one day when we have them and otherwise we'll be able to sit with them and give them the benefit of the wisdom of the world we lived in and the world that I hope that we will create. So thank you once again for a great podcast, a great dialogue. I'm gonna have you back again because we're gonna dig into this more, but we can never do it in a 35 minute segment and do it justice, but we'll we'll continue to talk. We'll continue to tweet um, and we'll continue to push back and not let women be treated by one standard and men by another. So thank you, my sister. Thank happy you. Happy Holy Week and happy Easter. Thank God you, bless. Sophia.
1: Be well.